I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually from Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. I am the footy fan, Rana Hussain, your host, and with me is AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani. It was a pretty fun round of football in the end, especially for a bye round, Gemma. Yeah, it was weird. Like, there were only five games, and I saw a a news report or something on Sunday say something about Jake Stringer as part of a big day of football. It's like, there was one game. (laughs) Is it a big day of football if there's only one game? (laughs) It was a big day for him. He had a cracker. 29 touches, four goals. The package indeed. Uh, It's a weird nickname. (laughs) Let's be real. It's It's always a bit awkward. Yep. <laughs> deploying that one. Yep. He will not be in our spotlight, I don't believe. Uh, but I, we will kick it off. We'll get our spotlight fired up for the round. Geelong couldn't have been better scripted on Friday night with a shot after the siren that curved and then went through off the boot of Gary Rowan. What did you think of Geelong over the weekend? Can I start this by saying, while it was a pretty good ending to the game, wasn't nearly as good as Mark, Mark, Mark Rowan from uh, round 14, 2017, <laughs> if anyone's wondering. Bruce McAvaney's call. Um, Gary Rowan's <laughs> other win after the siren with a goal. Geelong. Though. I miss Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good call. There, when we talk about Geelong, we kind of hear the same names all the time. We hear those star names um, kind of said what gets missed is Geelong's kind of second tier of players that are really propping up this side this year um, Jack Henry I think went really under the radar obviously Tom Stewart's game on on the weekend was incredible but Jack Henry the the role that he played in defense absolutely supported that um, he ended up having nine marks four of which were contested seven intercepts and had the um, 12 disposals at 83 percent so he was a key defender who was cool under pressure when Lockie Henderson went out of the game as well obviously they were assisted by Norton getting injured in the second half but in that first half Jack Henry absolutely was nullifying a lot of what Norton was able to do so Henry is one we don't talk about enough. Sam Menegola, I know we kind of mention him here and there, but he, again, his positioning is really smart. The way he's able to read the play to get forward of the ball and into an attacking position so regularly is really important. He had uh, 27 disposals at 82%, six clearances, six score involvements, 475 metres gained. So, again, he was winning the ball at the source and then 
getting involved in the attack part of it. And then the other one I want to shout out is Brandon Parfit, who is just so strong around the contest and so often this year, he's been the obvious one kind of doing a lot of the work when other players have been injured or weren't in at a, at a stoppage. He seems a lot stronger this year, he's a lot bigger this year, and he seems a lot smarter this year as well. He's making really good decisions, and it's really fun watching Brandon Parfit play because you know once some retirements start to happen, he's the guy that's stepping up alongside people like a Cam Guthrie and a Sam Metagola. So that's really cool. I mean, I'm so glad you saw all of that in that game because I just saw a really interesting game that, frankly, I thought Western Bulldogs should have won and it was so heartbreaking. But it's kind of what you live for in sport, isn't it? Just that kick after the siren. Um, All it was really missing was a crowd, a proper crowd and a home crowd, actually, who would have gone nuts for that. Well, it was 7,000 people, I think, allowed down there. The whole, I, f- I do find it a bit funny. I don't know the machinations behind the decisions that were made in terms of the crowd being there and who was allowed and who wasn't. But I, f- I do find it funny that it's limited to 7,000 people because of COVID, but they're all crammed into the couple all- same couple of sections. It's like, what's the point of having a limited crowd if you're going to put them all in oh, together like that? That annoyed me so much. I was just, I was quite distracted by that, to be honest. Um and, oh, the faces of the doggies, players, their disappointment. Uh, we did say last week that this was a bit tortoise in their hair. And I am fascinated because at the end of the day, I, I don't know that Geelong, like, I don't know what to make of that, what to take away from that game, to be honest, in terms of like a final series. I'd love yeah. to know what you think, actually. Well, a lot of people are talking about Geelong now being the team to beat in the comp and all this sort of stuff. But I don't know that mm. the way they play will necessarily necessarily stand up. Like, I understand that they're very good at um, kind of navigating... They're, they're very good with their situ- situational awareness within a game. So at this moment in time we need to slow the ball down at this moment in time we just need to control it at this moment in time we need to get the ball moving really quickly that sort of stuff they do seem quite good at that I just I don't know how it stands up in finals especially with so many older players as well so it's very much an all or nothing year for them isn't it I don't know I don't really think Dangerfield's a big game day player personally like we saw it in the grand final last year I think he is until he's got a set shot I think he's great in every other way except when he's got Mm. a set shot and that's where he's in his career he's always struggled in that way you know who else isn't a big game player is Gary Rowan we've seen him in multiple finals for Mm. the Swans and that's when he's really struggled as well so um that's the thing I don't know and and quite regularly we're seeing um, Geelong kind of just get over the line or just make it work. And this has happened in the past and then they get to finals and they're not quite able to make it happen. And it's always been blamed on, oh, they only got to finals because they've had that home ground advantage all year, but they haven't. But then when they get to finals, they don't have that and therefore that's when they fail. Um, Last year, we kind of saw that that wasn't the reason because – they were in a hubble for most of the year. That wasn't the reason. But again, 
in that grand final, they did fall away a bit, but they were were stronger throughout that final series. So whether that's something they've built on this year or whether they go back into their shells this year because they have had that safety of their home ground, I'm not sure where this goes. Mm. I just said a lot of nothing there. Stay Sorry. tuned. <laughs> no, no, it was good chat. Stay tuned is basically what we're saying. Uh, I thought Essendon were impressive and have really turned a corner, it feels like. Uh, they were challenged by rivals Hawthorne, though. What did you think? Yeah, and uh, we've talked about this a little bit in terms of a couple of teams, how um, the reason you can tell that this is a corner that they've turned is because the thing that they were doing poorly previously is the thing that they fixed. And um, Essendon, uh, we talked about Geelong's situational awareness. I think Essendon showed that on the weekend. And I know it was against Hawthorne, who are, what, 17th on the ladder. And we, we can't get too ahead of ourselves here. But it's another sign for Essendon that they are on the up, is that when the game was there to be won, they adapted within the moment to, you know, get the ball forward however they possibly could. And and that goal that got them into a fairly good position late in that final quarter came about mm. from the willingness. It, it wasn't a pretty goal, but the willingness to get the ball forward however they could and make it work from there. And that's what Hawthorne in their heyday were doing. You know, the knock-ons, the tap-ons, that's what Richmond have done quite a lot in recent years. Essendon were able to adapt to that and make that work for them. I think that's the thing that stood out in this game. Again, they beat 17th placed Hawthorne. There's, this doesn't mean they're a top four side. This doesn't mean they're a lock for finals. This doesn't mean any of that stuff. But it is another sign toward them being those things um, in the future. Mm. What's happened to Jake Stringer? Because he's clearly happier at Essendon. Why wasn't he playing like this at the Western Bulldogs? Well, I mean, there's a f- his personal issues while he was in his last couple of years at the Dogs are fairly well documented. Um, so I would say that probably has something to do with it. Um, he's also playing a lot more up through the midfield and then pushing forward at SNN as well, which I think feels like something he's wanted for a while. Um, he just needs to find a little bit more consistency in his game, I think, um, and then he can be he can do this more regularly if he's able to do the other things more regularly, which we don't see as much from him, but we're seeing more of this year. God, he was a joy to watch. And that like one handed kick (laughs) to goal was just chef's kiss. (laughs) Hey, you wanted to discuss the giants in what was a solid win against an abysmal Carlton. What are we talking about here, Gemma? <laughs> Look, again, I know they beat Carlton who just, you know, you don't know what the answers are there. Um, but there's something specific about this Giants win that I wanted to mention was that all year um, they've been very much reliant. I should have got the numbers for this, but I didn't. And I'm sorry, everyone. But they've been relying on their midfielders to really prop up that forward end. So they're midfielders to get forward and kick goals as well as do the work up the field and a lot of that has been Jake Kelly and um, Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper and guys like that in this game in a in a side that has Jeremy Finlayson Harry Himmelberg and Toby Green as three you know big name forwards they all contributed in a way that 
help them win this game. And it's the first time that I've seen this year that it's worked so well as a forward unit together. And again, take away the fact that it was against the Carlton defence and all this sort of stuff. Jeremy Finlayson so often struggles to get into games or struggles to finish the work, but he kicked five goals in this one. Toby Green, we know he's unbelievably good. He kicked four goals. He's probably been the most consistent player of their forward group this year, despite being missing a few with injury. Um, and Harry Himmelberg kicked two goals, and he, again, was playing really well off Finlayson. So it very much feels like if, if Finlayson isn't quite able to have a good game, Himmelberg feeds off the negative energy and then vice versa. Whereas in this game, they were able to do the positive stuff and it worked for them. So I'd love to see this forward line operate with this chemistry a bit more, more often, um, because they can be very damaging if they can, their forwards can be relied upon to actually hit the scoreboard. Another goal after Siren in this game. That Toby Green goal was un- like, since when could Toby Green do that? <laughs> I know, right? It really was a treat for us. I feel like they knew it was the buy round. They knew we all needed something special. (laughs) We only had five games of football. I know. I really don't like a buy round. (laughs) But I was pleased this time around. Um, I'm glad the buy rounds are over finally. Swans are back this week. Melbourne's back this week. Woohoo. Well. We've spotlighted a few teams. Let's ask some people to pull their socks up. I feel like we need a sting for that. It's got to, we've got to come up with a nice sting. Does any, do any of our up. listeners want to send us a sting? That, <laughs> I, I would be open to hearing sting suggestions or recordings from our listeners. Feel free. You can uh, yeah. email us or just tweet at us, DM us on Twitter. Do it. I want to hear them. Oh, we're just... We're just outsourcing the work now. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let you go first, Gemma. Uh, You're going to pinpoint Gold Coast and ask them to pull their socks up. Yeah, and I hate to do it because I really do love Gold Coast. but You do love Gold Coast, so what's going on? It's so incredibly frustrating watching them play so poorly because – We've seen this year, even in this game, we saw them put some good football together. And they've had some games this year where they've just been outstanding. And they just don't bring it often enough. And it's just the fact that you know that it's in them and that's not what they produce, it just baffles me. And we so often talk about... It's called... It's called disappointed parent syndrome. (laughs) Yes, as someone who is not a parent, I didn't know that was called that, but um, good to know. (laughs) Yeah. I think my parents definitely know what that feeling is like. (laughs) I was going to say, I think my parents, I know I only know about it because I fulfill that for my parents, but go on. (laughs) Uh, The the thing with the sons, we've, we've talked about it a lot, how when you're struggling, as an individual, as an atta- and and as a team, what you need to focus on. The first thing you need to focus on is your defensive pressure. So, what can I do when I don't have the ball? And we, we've talked about this at length, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, that's the thing that, that has, well, you have. Well, we've had that conversation. <laughs> I think. Um, 
That's the thing that the Suns, when they are playing well, that's what they're doing well. The Sydney game is a perfect example of that. But then they rock up and they they don't lay tackles, they don't apply that pressure, and it's just a mess. And it's it makes no sense that one week they can do all this and they've got that endeavour and they've got that will, and then the next week they just don't. And I understand that, you know, young teams or teams that are reliant on a number of young players are going to have inconsistencies because young players naturally will have those inconsistencies. I think you can... We all accept that that's a thing. Essendon is an example of that. But it's when the poor performances are the norm and the good performances are the uh, like the errant performance, that's when you've got to kind of wonder what is going on. And that's what was so frustrating about watching the Suns on the weekend was that there were passages of play where they were outstanding, but it happened for 30 seconds and all went away. There were those you know, those moments where they could apply that pressure that they just didn't. And again, when you go back a few weeks when they destroyed the Swans, you're like, how were you able to do that against my team (laughs) and not against any other team? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's maturity, right? That's what we talk about when we talk about mature sides, that they've got that ability to be professional and turn up and do their job. Yeah. Uh, And seems like Gold Coast slacking a little bit. I want to ask audiences to pull their socks up. And by audiences, I mean people on Twitter, people on Twitter who are watching a broadcast and then decide to tweet when they don't like something. Now, I'm going to drill down even further and say... I'm specifically talking about when the broadcasters try something new or different that we're not maybe traditionally used to. And a lot of us feel like we have, we have the right to say, I don't want that. Get it off my screen. And we saw that this weekend when it came to Daisy Pierce and her special comments uh, with Geelong Western Bulldogs. She was so good. She was so good. And even if you don't like it, it's part of an offering. It might not be, you might not be the target audience. Maybe just consider that there are other people who do like it. Now I understand Twitter is our, you know, is the dumpster fire of opinions and it's fine. Tell us, people can say whatever they want. So far be it from me to ask people not to tweet, but I just, it's so frustrating when I think as women who are in, sports media as well and who are you know forging a path for ourselves and for others it's really disheartening when you see people uh speaking out against daisy pierce who is doing a really good job and especially when it's comments like oh it should only be past players why is she there i don't want to see daisy pierce on my screen like that's oh gets me Pull your socks up, audiences. Like, try something new. Just so Broadcasters smart. are constantly so <laughs> doing important. new things. And there was a time when, you know, World Series cricket wasn't a thing and Kerry Packer brought it to everybody and it was new and different. And we got on board. And I'm sure lots of people didn't like it, but, you know, sometimes new isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes the thing you've always had is the bad thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, I know you've been through the rigor, the something on Twitter with this one, but uh, yeah, it. Look, I just tried to be very positive about Daisy Pierce, and a lot of people took that as me bagging out <laughs> men, and it was just fascinating that people read that into what I said. Um, you know, it's fun being on Twitter. It's fun being a woman on Twitter. It's not at all bad. It's... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just sunshine and lollipops for all of us on Twitter. <laughs> I, I thought she was she was great. I love hearing her insights. I love Luke Hodge. Mm-hmm. I think he's really interesting yeah. when he speaks. There, there was... I think they've got something good going on there. Can I actually... Talk about something specific Daisy said that I thought was incredibly interesting um, that has stuck in my head since. There was a lot of conversation during that game about Tom Hawkins um, and and the ruck stoppages in in forward half for Geelong and how he would take them and and the way um, whoever was in the ruck against him was choosing to kind of take on that ruck stoppage. Um, and there was a there was a kind of a regular conversation that whoever was doing it should be playing in front, should be playing in front. But Daisy was the one to point out the fact that so often Tom Hawkins just takes the ball out of the ruck and kicks for goal at those stoppages. And Geelong very much relies on the aerial contest. But by p- playing behind or next to Hawkins, he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, he might have been able to tap the ball down, but it forced him to bring the ball to ground where West- Western Bulldogs saw was their advantage in that game. So it made perfect sense that that was happening. But there was so often she was just being brushed off or she would say something and someone else on the commentary panel would get the credit that would be congratulated for that thing. And it was just really interesting, the dynamic. Um, I just find her really interesting. And I, I learn a lot from Daisy by listening to her um, speak during men's football and during women's football. I think she's incredible and I love to learn from her. Yeah, I have to say, and this might be a gendered thing, but it obviously goes both ways. I tune in a bit more when I hear Daisy speak. Um, and I kind of lean in a little bit. Um, and that, you know, I think that's the point of representation, right? That, you know, you can have a panel where there are different types of voices that different people, you know, that will relate to different people. And that's a great thing. I guess what I would love is that, you know, as much as the people take to Twitter to criticize or say that they don't like it, if we do like it, let's jump on Twitter and say how much we love it and tag channel seven or tag Fox footy and and make sure we're letting them know that we love to hear from Daisy Pierce or whoever it is. Which was all I was trying to do, Ron. <laughs> I know, just be careful. You might yeah, you're right, you might get the trolls as well. Ugh, anyway, moral of the story, we love Daisy Pierce. She's very, very smart. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. It's time for the presser. This is when we ask the questions that... Maybe the journos are a little bit too scared to ask in the press conference. Uh, what have you got for us today, Gemma? So I've got another Western Bulldogs related thing to talk about. Um, mm. I'd love to ask Luke Beveridge about how he would address a, the most apparent problem in the dog side this year in the second half of the season. So um, with the dogs have now lost three games, I want to say. Um, and in each one, it's been very apparent that an intercepting defense um, has kind of been their undoing. Um, obviously, Tom Stewart had a day out on Friday night. Jake Lever, when Melbourne played them, had a really big game. Um, that seems to be the thing is that the dogs want to move the ball quickly and take advantage of the fact that they have these marking forwards. But when there's any sort of pressure applied up the field, they do their forward entries are very poor they're very panicked and then they're allowing those intercept defenders to kind of come in and and chop those off I'd love to know what the strategy would be or how you would dress that as a coach coming into the second half of the season where you're a very real chance to make a grand final but that is a very very obvious Achilles heel to their side Yes, I would love the answer to that because obviously you just put apply a lot of pressure to the doggies and they crumble. Sorry. You're coming in to say something. I've just that. read your question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read ahead. That should go back to my own notes so that you, you get we get the laugh. No, I love that. I'm leaving that in. Rana, what what question do you have for a coach this week? Well, as you've just read ahead and started to giggle, I would like to ask Alistair Clarkson this question, and that is, how much pain does it give you to coach a team of not that great players when you've coached the likes of Hodge and Rioli? Now, in reality, I would never ask Alistair Clarkson this because he would absolutely deck me. (laughs) But surely he goes home some days and just goes, oh, remember when I used to coach Cyril Rioli and like, remember when I got a really good Those draft hand in the first year that I coached, <laughs> so it was much easier for me. Um, that was a bit harsh. Sorry. He's just wasted. He's a bit wasted on, on that list. I, I don't think it's that bad a list. I think they just weren't willing enough it isn't, to no. blood them early enough that they could have slotted in amongst one another more seamlessly whereas now it's everyone is learning at the same time 
I think that's the difference, isn't it? I mean, he's a great coach. He's a fine coach. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good coach. Um, and you just got to, but like he could have a great list, but you, it's not going to be Luke Hodge or Cyril really. Like surely you, he has moments where he's like, oh my God, that's never going to happen to me again. They were some great players. Luke Hodge only became Luke Hodge because of the work that had to be put in though. Any player could become a Luke Hodge. That's true. Look at this is always my example, and I'm really sorry, everyone. But look at Dane Rampey. He, <laughs> I knew you were gonna laugh at that, but he was in the VFL, couldn't get a spot, went back to the Sydney leagues, got rookied, mm. and has worked really hard, and is now co-captain. You know, like any player can become that player. They just need to have the right support and willingness to work hard through that time as well. True. Sam Mitchell, pretty great. I mean, I liked him a lot more all of a sudden once he was wearing a West Coast candy. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. What's with that? Um, It's so funny how that happened. (laughs) Luke Hodge, Brisbane Guernsey, love him now. (laughs) It always makes – I still sometimes, even when I hear Luke Hodge commentating – Every now and then I'm like, oh, yeah, you got done for drink driving before a final. Like, it still makes me, well, A, roll my eyes, but also giggle a little bit. Like, what were you doing? Like, Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like, this is why we talk about, you know, there's there's the balance between giving someone a second chance and persecuting someone for making a mistake. You know, if they have if you they have the right support system around them, they can get out of that. But you also need to make sure that they learn the lesson too. He hasn't done that since, has he? Ooh, he has not. Anyway. He's a model citizen. Is he? Yeah, he's I fine. Don't I don't know. I don't know Luke Hodge's personal <laughs> he's life. He's fine. He's he's uh we and we don't need to No, he's we absolutely don't. I truly excellent. don't care. <laughs> All right, well, on to staying on Hawthorne, um, but with some more joyous conversation, hopefully. It's time for you to uh, anoint your play on performer of the round. Yes, it is. So last week I had the caveat of Jai Newcomb before I talked about the play on performer. This week, caveat of Tom Stewart. He had 15 intercepts. I tweeted on Friday night that it was a Kate Lutkins-esque performance from Tom Stewart, which I... Yes, I loved that tweet, by the way. I stand by. Craig Starsevich loved it. So um, I think it's a winner. Um, so my plan performer for this week, though, is Chankwath Giath. Um, and I tried, I, I spent a lot of time listening to how this was said to make sure I could say it right. This is not so much for his performance just this week. It's more of a build up over a number of weeks that I've been observing um, and that probably most of us have been observing. Um, he he forces forward lines to be more accountable because he is confident in his ability, what his assets are, to use them cleverly. So he might, you know, mm. his willingness to take that intercept mark and take off, use his speed because he knows that very few people can match that. He's now got the confidence, you know, take a bounce and kick on the run and all that sort of stuff. It's so brilliant. And I mean, it tore the swans to shreds two weeks ago um, that, 
you know, that little bit of confidence can do so much. And because he's willing to do those things, so, you know, take off and not be stuck in the back half if he doesn't absolutely have to be, it forces forwards to be more alert because they can't relax around him. Because if he wins the ball and takes off, then, and I've said take off a lot already, I'm sorry, but it's bad on them that they haven't followed him and applied pressure right so I love that he keeps uh, forward lines unsettled and he's a joy to watch as well again because of that bit of confidence that he's got which we hadn't seen in the first few games that he played now all of a sudden he's doing those things regularly and sure he might get caught every now and again but nine times out of ten he's going to get the ball off to someone else and get into a much better position for a teammate so yeah I I love watching him play Mm, he's so captivating isn't he um Good pick, Gemma. Should we just rename this segment um, like the second best performer of the round? <laughs> no, because it's the play on performer, which is our favorite performer of the by, Yes, by definition, the rogue, the rogue pick. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it more fun to talk about more players than the same three every week? Ah, I love it. I agree. <laughs> Let's look ahead to this week. Uh, you're previewing Brisbane versus Geelong at the Gabba. Mm. Uh, I assume it's still at the Gabba. There's a whole bunch of games that are being thrown around. So let's just go with Brisbane against Geelong. Uh, I don't know. But both of these teams are in some good form. Uh, Brisbane proved, I know against a team that maybe wasn't quite a big matchup, but you know, Lockie Neal's getting back in form after being out and up for a number of weeks. Jared Lyons is continuing to play very good football. I believe Dane Zorko will be back. The big thing about this game, though, I think, and we've talked about Tom Stewart and talked about Jack Henry in Geelong's back half, the idea of Geelong's defence going up against this Brisbane forward line is a really fascinating one. Um, you know, Hipwood and Danaher can be known for fading in and out of games but they also have the capacity to really challenge this Geelong defense which has been kind of holding this Geelong side up a lot this year it yeah that half of the ground is going to be very interesting but a lot of that comes from how how clean can Brisbane's midfield be when getting the ball forward as well because if they're going to do what the Western Bulldogs did and effectively just kick directly to Tom Stewart all day They've got no hope, but if they can be a little bit more nuanced with their forward 50 entries, Brisbane can absolutely kind of teach this Geelong defence a lesson. Is this game a bit of a must-win for both of them, do you think? I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the ladder, but, I mean, it's it's if they lo- whoever loses this game isn't kind of written off, but this one can set them up beautifully for a top-four finish. Hmm, Fascinating. Looking forward to it should be good. What game have you picked, Rana? I am previewing Port Adelaide versus Sydney, which the reason I'm picking this is because this one is up for grabs as it stands, as we're recording. We're not sure if it will remain at Adelaide Oval. And if it moves, it looks like it'll move to Cadinia Park, which is really weird for starters. (laughs) Swans love. Swans love it down there. Why do why do they love it down there? Oh, they just win a lot down there. <laughs> okay, well, if it was a 
if it is in Adelaide Oval, I think Port Adelaide get up. And if it's not, I think Sydney have a shot, which is so weird to think that now COVID is directly potentially impacting results in like in a in a way that I'm I'm I feel like hasn't ha- really happened before. Uh I mean there's probably some games where you could argue that where it was played definitely had an impact and it was moved because of covid but I think more interestingly about this game is the fact that there'll be no Robbie Gray um there'll be no Lockie Jones I believe hamstring injury and Port didn't haven't been overly impressive and the Swans are potentially going to get Errol Goulden back which and Chad Warner thank flipping goodness um and are coming off a bye <laughs> so it it's kind of a fun time Ooh. for these teams to come up against each other because I think they're fairly evenly matched because of a few of those things yeah, I think it'll be a good game regardless. Port have won most of their last the last five against Sydney, but I just get the feeling that Sydney will win this one. Have I just jinxed them? I mean, I tend to do that. Errol Gould and Magic could go a long way. <laughs> <laughs> For your sake, I hope so, but I think it'll be a good game. I need, I'm also, I need some positivity I really in my life, Rana, so I need this win. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. You really do. Let's hope for your sake, Sydney, get up. I'm really nervous just quietly about Essendon, Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. Like, if you look at the ladder positions, I shouldn't be, but, oh, my God. Oh, it feels like a happen. must win for Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Literally anything could happen in that game. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I don't feel good about it anyway. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what <laughs> what mood I'm in next week when we come back. All right, let's get to a listener question now. This one has come through, Gemma. Yes. Thoughts on Phoebe Monaghan to Brisbane and Rochelle Cranston to the dogs. I know I am Devo about Phoebe Monaghan. I love Phoebe. But I'm also glad to see her picked up and staying in the comp. So these two delisted free agency signings happened within I want to say 40 minutes of one another so I was like I had whiplash it was great um Phoebe Monaghan has gone from Richmond who have won three games in their whole history to the reigning premiers so that's not a bad move I I really like that addition because when you think about the fact that Emma Zilke has retired she's a fairly good kind of walk-up replacement for Zilke in some respects. So I'm really excited at the prospect of it. And I love that the Lions have backed her in, even though she was delisted at Richmond. Um, She absolutely has a lot more to give. The other thing is Phoebe Monaghan is also part of the defence force. And um, Rianne Lug, who has retired, but also Kate Luckins, both part of the defence force up in Brisbane. Um, so obviously there's a bit of a support network in terms of that around as well, which I think is really good for her. So I'm really excited for Phoebe. I think she'll have a really solid, she'll be a really solid role player for them. Um, and then Rochelle. Yeah, I reckon she'll fit in really, sorry, Gemma. I think she'll fit in really well with the system up there and, uh, and the side that will just run like clockwork. I think she'll, she'll love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited for her. It's going to be sick. 
Um, and then Rochelle Cranston to the dogs. So we talked a lot about Taylor Harris going to Melbourne and how it's like going back to her roots because in the exhibition game, she was in a Melbourne Guernsey. Rochelle Cranston played the exhibition games as a dog. So she's effectively doing the same thing and she's got there for nothing. So I think um, for the dogs, they've done so much work on getting these young, really high draft picks into the side and, and being regular kind of key cogs of the side. I like the idea of having an, uh, an addition of a big, strong body in there to help them. Even if she doesn't play in the forward half, she can fill a number of positions. She's got a lot of power and a lot of grunt around stoppages as well. So the idea of her being able to run through a midfield and supporting um, Kirsty Lamb and Ellie Blackburn in those sorts of places as well, I think is really beneficial. I don't know that she'll be a walk-up start every single week, but I think absolutely when they need to come up against stronger midfields and kind of stronger sides, think I'm thinking of a Collingwood or something like that. I think she's a great addition because she can support those younger bodies with her strength and power. Um, and again, it's worth noting that both of these players have got to these new clubs without that club having to give up anything as well. So that's a huge plus as well. They've given up nothing to get these players through the door. I'm just thinking about the clubs that need to now be putting in place all their plans and frameworks around AFLW mid AFLM season. Uh, My mind is just exploding at their workload at the moment. Well, the preseason starts I believe on the 1st of September. Don't quote me on that, but I, that's my understanding. That's so soon. <laughs> like, that's two months away soon. <laughs> but, you know, like, pride jumpers have being finalised and, you know, all of that marketing and game day stuff is happening now. Oh, yeah. I just, I mean, you know, especially clubs that are going to go deep into fin- men's finals. And then just I'm looking at you, Melbourne. To... <laughs> oh my god! I just I feel for the club staff. To be honest, yeah. I think it's going to be a really full on slot. Well, and the draft is set for the 27th of July, so that's a month away as well. So that's a month before preseason starts. I mean, we're lucky as fans, but yeah, I'm it's, so it's excited. Like losing my mind excited but yeah the work that goes in behind the scenes to get this stuff to happen and then think of the broadcasters as well who would normally have summer off before they go into a really full-on work schedule usually working both men's and women's seasons throughout the year now what's going to happen there like there's so many questions but yeah I'm excited for AFLW to be back soon as well Good time for women's sport that's for sure okay let's get into our tips now All right, first cab off the rank. We've already discussed it. Brisbane Lions versus Geelong Cats. Who are you who are you picking? I'm going with Brisbane for this one. I think they're the quick way they play um, should should get over the line here. And I think the dynamics they've got in their midfield should get over the top of Geelong's kind of more regular midfield. I said that really weirdly, but you get it. I'm going to go the Cats on this one. I think they're they're up and about and I think they will come home with the win. Richmond versus St Kilda scheduled for the MCG. What do you think? Oh, Richmond. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's going to be Richmond. Yeah. 
really bothers me that they've got such a good run home. They always <laughs> just, do. They always do. It's just playing perfectly into their hands, isn't it? On Saturday, we've got North Melbourne versus Gold Coast Suns. North. I have no idea. North. <laughs> North, were, North? North were pretty good on the weekend. Like, they didn't disgrace themselves at all. And they, they're kind of putting together three quarters of pretty good football each week. Um, and the thing that stood out to me last week about North was they were being much smarter when they went inside 50. They just seemed to run out of legs in the, the final quarter. The Suns, mm. unless they put up a performance that we talked about, which is one of their rare ones, they're not going to beat that. I'm going to go for the Suns anyway. Right. I think they will. I think they'll turn up. All right. <laughs> um, Collingwood versus Freo. Well, we saw what their coach quitting can do. For yeah, that usually doesn't last more than one week. Can can Nathan Buckley quit again this week? Nah, Frio. Go f- well, Justin Longmuir against the side he used to be an assistant coach of. I reckon Frio are going to mm. get this one. I think so too. But it'd be really... I'd love to see Collingwood get up for Robert Harvey now. Um, and Brody. Brody Grundy back in, I think. Cut his hair. Looks amazing. He has cut his hair and he does look amazing. It looks good. I agree. So wait, who are you tipping? <laughs> I'm going to tip Freo. Okay. But I, oh, I don't know. Yeah, Freo. We'll go with Freo. <laughs> uh, oh, the game I'm dreading. Um, Essendon versus Melbourne at the MCG. It really, anything could happen here, honestly. <laughs> it's going to be chaos. Which is baffling. Why is this, why does this feel so close when it's first versus 10th? <laughs> I'm going Melbourne. I'm, I'm tipping Melbourne, but. Oh, but you'll also be crying too. the whole time. Yeah, we'll be. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Port Adelaide versus Sydney. We talked about it. I'm I'm tipping Sydney here. I'm going with Sydney as well, purely on the idea of Chad Warner and Errol Goulden being back in this side. Yeah, I think they've got this. I don't really know why, but I think they've got it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I'm in, a fi- in the fetal position next week. <laughs> Look, it's just, it's me just walking around in the dark here. These both days. the Sydney and Melbourne games are on at the same time as I was. I can't even go to the Melbourne game. I know. Oh. Fixturing is against oh. me personally, me specifically. <laughs> they do it just to annoy you, Gemma. Absolutely. Uh, okay, on Sunday, we've got Giants versus Hawthorne. Giants. I also think Giants. Uh, Eagles versus Western Bulldogs. This is okay, my smoky. I'm going with the Eagles. Mm, the idea I'd of love a, to see that a few of those players being back. They played in the waffle this week. They'll be back. Luke Shuey being one of them. I like the idea of the Eagles getting up in this one. I like that idea. I'm still going to tip Western Bulldogs, <laughs> but I'm, I'd be happy to be disappointed there. Uh, and finally, Carlton versus Adelaide. Yeah, I'm tipping Adelaide. <laughs> I am too, but I also I don't care. <laughs> And there's always one, and this is the one where I'm like, eh, sorry. <laughs> sorry to all the followers. 
such a mean thing to say. I should stop. Really stop doing that. I mean, it's um, up to you whether you want people to like you, Rana. <laughs> clearly don't. Clearly don't want to be liked at all. Um. Well, that's it for another week from us. What the heck? We've gotten. We've made it. Uh. I I don't really have anything else to say. Do you, Gemma? Any final words? Um. Just that people should follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and where are you on Twitter? They should know by now, but remind us again. I'm at GL Bastiani. It's where you can hear praise for Daisy Pierce. What about you, Rana? <laughs> I'm at Rana Horse and you can... I haven't been tweeting a lot. I need to get back on the horse, I think. You tweeted today. I did tweet about Michelle Obama. If you want to see my Michelle Obama tweet, head to <laughs> at Rana Horse. I did stop tweeting during the football because I kept jinxing everybody. So I thought I better just put my phone down and watch the game. Tweet after the result. After. (laughs) Not during. You can find us both on Twitter at PlayOnRadioMalb if you want to ask us some questions. Or send your sting And tell us your thoughts. Yes, if you've got a beautiful sting for us, send it through and we'll add it to the episode. Uh. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Who needs love when you've got footy, actually? Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.